Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Oh, wow, that's good. good to, that's good. Happy New Year. Hey, I'm going to say something like we said when I was growing up. God is good. And all the time. One of my friends uh, growing up said it a little different. Uh, he said it uh, like this. He said, Dios es bueno. All right, we got what? Dios es bueno. Todo el tiempo. Come on. Listen, greetings are a part of our life. They're a part of how we communicate. They're a part of how we uh, have these conversational routines in society. And greetings are a way of communicating information that we want to tell one another. You know, I remember growing up, and uh, we would use that phrase all the time. God is good. That's why I say all the time. All the time. God is good. And we would say it at, like every church service, normal conversations. And, and, and why would we say it? Because we were re- wanting to remind ourselves and to remind others that God is good. When? All the time. See, Jews had a phrase that they would use in their coming and their going, and this phrase was shalom. You know, ours in, 20, or in the year 2000 was God is good and all the time. But theirs in, uh, in, in, in Jewish tradition is shalom, and they would, they would say uh, shalom, and they're coming and they're going, meaning this, peace be with you. I'm going to... Can you hear me? Amen. And so they would say shalom, which is peace be with you. And uh, the early early Christians had a phrase as well that they would use. It wasn't shalom. It wasn't God is good all the time. They used a phrase in their greetings, and they said maranatha. And then when they would see each other, they would say this phrase, maranatha. And maranatha is an Aramaic, Aramaic phrase that means this, the Lord is coming. Or it's actually a declaration, and it says this, Come, Lord Jesus, and come quickly. And the early church would use this word Maranatha because they wanted uh, to remind each other that the Lord is coming even when they're facing persecution. You know, the early church was a heavy, pers- heavily persecuted church. That, that, that the, the enemy and the powers of the world at that time thought that they could get rid of Christianity by, by squashing it and persecuting it. Little did they know that as pressure would be applied through persecution, that Christianity would actually spread and grow all to the ends of the earth. And so they would remind each other in the midst of their trial, the Lord is coming. Can I, can I encourage you in 2022, can I encourage you? The Lord is coming. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back in glory and in power. You see, Romans treated Christians as traitors because they would not declare that Caesar was a god. And if you're a Roman citizen, you had to call Caesar Lord. But early Christians refused to call Caesar Lord because they said there was only one Lord. There's only one True God. And it was in a time of persecution that the early church would remind one another through greeting that the one true Lord is coming and he's returning in power. Now, in 
in, in the early church in the, in the, the years 30 AD and, and when, when, this, when, when the book of, uh, that we're going to be looking at today was written, uh, the, the early church had just experienced the first advent. What was the first advent? That through Jesus' birth, his life, his burial, and his resurrection, that was the first advent, the first coming of the Lord. And now they were anticipating his soon second advent, which is his second coming. The angel said, as you saw him go, so he will come again. That, that there is a second advent that, that as believers is our hope, that is our, our blessed hope, as scripture calls it, which is the coming of the Lord. And I want to encourage you today that 2,000 years later, when we continue through tradition and the faith of what the early church did, we say, come Lord Jesus, we say, Maranatha. And we're leaving a season of remembering the first advent. And I believe right now we are now entering a season of readiness for the second advent. We spent the month of December looking at the first coming of Christ, looking at his looking at Mary and Joseph and the wise men and, and looking at the shepherds. And, and, and it was great, listen, it was great to remember, but we next have to position now for the second advent, which is now a season of readiness. There's a season for everything. But we got to make sure that we don't stay stuck in simply remembering what Jesus did for us. That it's a season to get ready and to say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come in power. Turn with me now to Revelation chapter 22. We're going to be looking and taking our main scripture today out of the book of Revelation. And I want to look at the words of Christ. Uh, the, the book of Revelation is a book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is about Jesus and about what he's saying to the early church. And, and he says this in verse 7. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Verse 12, Jesus says again, look, I am coming soon. Bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. Jesus says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to go to, to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Now, I want us to focus today on verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride say come. Let anyone who hears this say come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires freely to drink from the water of life. Verse 20, he who is the faithful witness to all these things says, this is Jesus, yes, I am coming soon. Now notice the response of John the Revelator. He says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May it be the hope of the church in 2022. May it be the hope of the bride of Christ in 2022 where we say, yes, Lord, do what you want to do. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's open with prayer. Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity to break open your word. 
to break open the bread of life. And Lord, I pray that as we, God, sit at your table today, Lord, I pray uh, that, that, that our spirits will be renewed. God, that people that are thirsty will find, uh, God, will find fulfillment in you. So Lord, we open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, God, to see and hear what you are saying to us today. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Listen, the book of Revelation and the Bible is ending right here in Revelation chapter 22. And it's ending with this image of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the bride having a, a, a declaration, if you will. And, and, and they make this statement where they say, come, Lord Jesus. That, that Revelation twenty two seventeen, when it's referring to the bride, what is the bride of Christ? The bride of Christ is the church. And, that, and that, that, that the message of the church is meant to be what is found in Revelation 22, 17. And I believe that we are standing in this verse. Like in time, we are standing in Revelation 22, 17, where we are meant to say, come Lord Jesus. See, this uh, phrase and this verse uh, is followed by three imperatives. The three imperatives are found in verse 17 where it says, let anyone who hears this come. It says, let anyone who is thirsty, let them come. The, th the third imperative was, let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life. And there's three imperatives, but, but they hold a twofold meaning. I want to I dive into what this is saying about the spirit and the bride saying come. So if you're taking notes, the first is this, the spirit and the bride say point number one, come Lord Jesus. Can you say that? Come Lord Jesus. One more time. Come Lord Jesus. You know, I, I remember growing up and I, I love Christmas time and, and I'm, I'm really sad. Uh, is anybody with me that we're sad that Christmas is over and now it's the new year? I love a new year. I love what it brings, but there's something about the season of Christmas. And honestly, I think I like the season of Christmas better than the day of Christmas. Because the day of Christmas is like, oh man, this is about to be over tomorrow. But the season of Christmas is great. You know, you drive in your car, you look at Christmas lights, you got uh, some chestnut praline latte from Starbucks, and, and you get the peppermint mocha, and, and, and you know, there, there, there's so much to the joy of Christmas, the Christmas carols. The season carries something with it. And it's really cool now being a father, and, and my daughter's three, and Christmas in the eyes of a three-year-old is amazing. And honestly, what's the most amazing, yeah, Christmas morning was great, but it was the anticipation that she had for the whole event. That, that literally, I think every night we went out and drove around and looked at Christmas lights because, because our, our daughter wanted to go out and look at Christmas lights. She anticipated Christmas. And, and, and this idea of anticipation came to my mind that it's with the posture of anticipation that believers should approach the second coming of our Lord. That, that, that we should be with awe and wonder like a child awaiting Christmas. We should be that on the edge of our seat awaiting the return of our Lord and Savior. Can I just break something off of you today? Can, can, can I just say this? That, that if you see the second coming of Christ with fear and trembling, you're seeing it completely wrong. 
Because our blessed hope is the second coming of Christ. And bad theology and teaching on the book of Revelation has got us into this idea of, oh no, the second coming, we have fear and trembling. No, our blessed hope as believers is that the great judge will come and he will set things right once and for all. That he's not coming simply as somebody that's defeated, but he's coming with all power and authority in his hands. That is what we look forward too. And if, if, if the second coming of Christ brings fear to you, I want you to see you're looking at it wrong. And it's my prayer that God will reformat and reshape how we see the second coming of Christ. That it isn't there to breed fear in us, but it is our hope. And the early Christians would say, Maranatha, Yes, you are facing persecution. Yes, if, if a Roman guard comes to you and they say, who is Lord? And you say, Jesus, instead of Caesar, you could be burned at a stake. Yes, that's true. But Maranatha, the one true Lord is coming. That even if you go out of this life in death, in martyrdom, there is hope of a future resurrection. There is hope that if you die for Christ, you will be raised with him at the second coming. See, the second coming is our hope. It is not our fear. And so many approach the second coming of Christ with fear. But as a child sees the wonder of the Christmas activities, so a child of God should see the wonder of God keeping his promises and bringing us into his kingdom. I want to talk on waiting just for a moment because how we wait shows the posture of our hearts. That how we're waiting on the Lord, it shows the posture of our hearts. And in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read a little passage about a man that we're going to take some examples from of how we are to wait for the second coming of Christ. And this man, his name's Simeon. And Simeon had been praying his whole life to see the Messiah. He had been praying and anticipating the first advent. And how he postured himself in the first advent, I think is important for us to look at as we posture our lives towards the second advent. Verse 25, uh, if, if, you're, if you're reading along, it says this. At that, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and to rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms. He praised God. Verse 33 says that Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. See, Simeon gives us an example through his life of how we are to wait for the coming of the Lord. What was he doing? He was eagerly waiting for the Lord. See, awaiting the second coming isn't passive, it's active. 
That, that as we wait for the coming of our Lord and we, and we, we, we partner with the Holy Spirit in Revelation twenty two seventeen, and we say, come Lord Jesus, it's not a passive phrase, it's an active phrase. And, and, and awaiting the second coming of the Lord isn't about us sticking our heads in the sand and watching the world burn. Awaiting the second coming of the Lord is about living with eyes wide open and anticipation for him to return in victory with all power and glory. And how we wait reveals the posture of our heart. So let's look at Simeon. Simeon was righteous. He's a righteous man. He, 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 he followed the ways of God. You see, we live in a day and age where the world says, you know, it doesn't matter how you live as long as, you know, you're, you're, you're doing what makes you happy. See, Simeon shows us that righteousness matters to God. Yeah. That, that how we live matters to God. That what we do matters to God. Righteousness literally means doing the right thing. Like, to do the right thing is important for us as we await the return of our Lord. What else was Simeon? Simeon was righteous, but he was also devout. When I think of being devout, I think of someone that's faithful. That Simeon was faithful to the things of God. That what God loved, Simeon loved. Being devout is about being dependable. Right. You know, you could depend on Simeon being where he needed to be. Simeon's a, a, a priest, right? And so he's going to, uh, to uh, the, the, the temple. And as he's there, and Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus on the eighth day after his birth. They're bringing him to be circumcised, and they're looking for a priest. They could depend yeah. that Simeon was going to be there. They could depend on him. Why? Because Simeon was devout. You want to know where we are uh, right now? We are eight days from Christmas. It's cool how this message is following eight days after we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In essence, Simeon walked in on January the 2nd in 0 AD, and, 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 and he went to church. He was fulfilling what he was called to do. Now notice this. Simeon's a human. Simeon could have said, you know, man, it's a good day to go fishing today. Man, it's a good day, you know, that hunting stand is looking good. Let me go and get up in the hunting stand. Man, it's a good day to do that. But no, notice this. It says Simeon was led by the Spirit instead of his flesh. What, what, what did he do? In 2022 terms, he went to church and, did little, and little did he know that something amazing would happen in church that day. Can I encourage you with something today? You might see what you're doing by going to church, reading your Bible, and praying as something that's simply natural that you do. But Simeon shows us that God desires to take our natural things that we do and breathe the supernatural into the natural. But we want God to do the supernatural, but we aren't doing the natural. 
Simeon would have, would have missed out on his promise of seeing the Messiah had he listened to his flesh. But because he was in tune with the Holy Spirit, because he denied his flesh, he said, you know what? It is a beautiful day outside. The high is 75 and it's bright blue skies. That golf course can wait. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go to the house of God. And did you know, because he did something natural, God did the supernatural. Can you give him some praise this morning, church? Often, we want God to do the supernatural, but we neglect the natural. Can I, can I encourage you something as you're starting the year? The natural and the ordinary things you do are more spiritual than you think. The natural and the ordinary things that you do. Going to church is a whole lot more spiritual than you think. Reading your Bible is a whole lot more spiritual than you think. Going to a small group after you've worked 10 hours that day, but you're trying to dive into community, is a whole lot more spiritual than you think. Can I encourage you with something in 2022? May we be like Simeon. Make God's house a priority for your life this year. Make the house of God a priority in your life this year because I'm a testament just like Simeon. I, I can't tell you how many times I went to church thinking it was just another ordinary day, but then the Spirit of God showed up and he touched me and he changed my life. And, and I can't tell you how many natural Sundays weren't just natural, but they were supernatural where I responded to an altar call in the natural and the spirit of God met me and changed me. I can't tell you how many times I was walking through something and facing something, but there was a word that was preached that brought life to my spirit and helped me keep on going. Make God's house a priority. We got to be careful, church. We got to be careful that we don't carry over the spiritual habits of 2020 and 2021 into 2022. We have to make sure that we are intentional with the things of God. So often, man, we, we uh, I, I, I think... Uh, I don't think Satan's done this to us. I think, I think as Christians, we've done this to ourselves. We have bound ourselves up in the things of God by neglecting what God cares about. And we've allowed a pandemic to, to, to bind us up from doing the things of God. Listen, we need to be people that love our neighbors as ourselves and care about those that are facing and walking through a pandemic and walking through this. And we're a church. There's no shame. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Sit in the back. Sit up front. However you need to do to hear from God. But listen, don't use a pandemic as a crutch to, to stop feeding the things of God in your life. We got to re restructure our spiritual habits. And I just want to say, I want to commend you for being here and saying, you know, we're going to make God's house a priority this year. We're going to, man, we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to be about what God is about. And like Simeon awaited the first advent, may we, the bride, the church, await the second advent with eagerness while we live in righteousness and devotion to the Lord. See, it's in the darkest of night that the spirit and the bride 
look to the bright and morning star and say, come. Revelation 22, 17 is about a church that is in persecution. The book of Revelation is a letter written to the seven churches. The seven churches that are facing persecution. They're walking through the darkest that they've ever had in the darkest night. I love what it says where Jesus says in verse 16, I am the bright morning star. He's saying, as you're walking through the darkest night, look to me as the bright and morning star. And it's that gaze that they have on who Jesus is that then awakens them to say, come, Lord Jesus, break through what we're facing. Break through this dark night. Point number two, the spirit and the bride. One, they say, come, Lord Jesus. But number two, they say, come, all you who are thirsty. Can you say that with me? Come, all you who are thirsty. One more time. Come, all you who are thirsty. They say this. That, that, that the spirit and the bride say come, and it's a, a, a three imperatives, but a twofold meaning. You see, we embody Maranatha when, we, when, when, when Maranatha moves from being a phrase into a lifestyle. Yeah. Did you know that Maranatha and, and, and asking the Lord to come is more than just a phrase that we say, it's actually a lifestyle that we live. Now, I want to I read verse 17 again. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Talking to the Lord. But now let's look at this, the last two imperatives. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who, he, who desires drink freely from the water of life. It's painting an image, if you will, and the image is this, that the spirit and the bride have one arm lifted to heaven, saying, come, Lord Jesus, and one arm outstretched to the lost, saying, come, all you who are thirsty. What does the posture of a believer awaiting the second advent and the second coming of our Lord and Savior look like? It looks like a believer that has one arm raised to God, saying, come, Lord Jesus, and a believer with an arm outstretched to the lost, an arm outstretched to those that are thirsty, and saying, come to the Lord, all you who are weary and heavy laden. This year, man, don't put your hands towards things that aren't focused on these two things, the coming of our Lord and Savior and, and, and the cry to the lost to come. May our hands be put to the work of the Lord and the promises of the Lord during our Advent. See, I want us to notice that the, the hands of the church are lifted to the Lord and outstretched to the lost. The hands of a believer should be lifted to the Lord and outstretched to the lost. Why, why do I keep saying this over? Because I want you to leave this place with an image that we are supposed to carry. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. May we never forget the mission of the church. May we never forget the message of the church. What is it? It's about the lost 
coming home. It's about the hopeless finding hope. It's about the sinner being turned into this into a saint. It's about the dead coming back to life. And it's time. The church got its hands out of its pockets and its hands lifted to the Lord and outstretched to the lost. You might be walking into 2022 with your hands in your pockets. Can I say lift one hand to the Lord and say Maranatha and lift another hand to your family and your friends and your community and say come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the message to the early church in persecution is this, the spirit and the bride say come. It's not enough for you just to put your hope in the second coming when you're walking through persecution. You also have to declare to others that they can find hope in the midst of an, of, of an oppressive empire. That they can find hope that, that, that is worth dying for. It's time that the hands of the church are outstretched in the community saying, if you're thirsty, come and drink. If you're tired, come and find rest. If you're looking for purpose, it's found in Jesus. And church, we've accomplished some amazing things the last two years. That in 2020, man, we gave over a million dollars to missions locally and abroad. Our hand was outstretched to the lost saying, come. And, and we gave uh, millions of pounds of, or millions of, 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 of wor dollars worth of food away every single Saturday for a whole year. Why? Because we were about the hand being outstretched to the lost. And God did amazing things in 2021. He did above and beyond, man. What we were, what, it's just amazing to see what God has done. We got a warehouse where, where we are having an outstretched hand to the community saying, come if you're thirsty. But what we did yesterday and what we did last year and what we did two years ago is great. But church, it is not about, okay, we did that, and let's put our hands back in our pockets. No, it's, okay, we did that, but there's still more to be done. Why? Because our Lord has not returned yet. We must have one hand saying, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly, and an arm outstretched to the lost, still meeting the need, saying, Jesus is the hope of the world. See, the story of Jesus is lived out in the church. I'm thankful for the church. I'm so thankful for the, the ecumenical community that is the church that has been around and been God's, God's, God's uh, 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 purpose in the earth for over 2,000 years. I'm thankful for it. Why? Because it's the church that has kept the story of Jesus alive for us to hear. That it's the church that has told the story of Christ and, 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 and told the world that if you're lost, you can find purpose in Jesus. That tells faithfully the story of his birth and his death and his burial and his resurrection. I'm thankful for the church because it's where I heard about Jesus. I'm thankful for community. I'm thankful for that. But church, we have to keep telling the story that has been told for 2,000 years. 
It is not an old archaic story. It's not an old archaic message, but it is the most relevant message that we could ever give, that Jesus came in the form of a baby, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died a sinner's death, but in him there was no sin. He was crucified, died on a cross, taken off that cross, put in a tomb, yet three days later, come on somebody, three days later, he rose with all power in his hands and then 40 days later he ascended to the father and he said I am coming again this message is our hope and the story of Jesus needs to be lived out in the church what do you mean how do we live it out by being the hands and feet of Christ now God's telling the story of his goodness and of his restoration and of his redeeming power through your life. Well, what do you mean? What, what do you mean that's going through my life? Because when, when, when other people see you not bow down to the pressures of the world, but they see you stand and they see you persevere and they see you have joy in the midst of pain and suffering and they see that in your life, they are seeing the story of what Jesus can do. That, 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 when, that when we continue to engage in the spiritual life, that, that God's wanting to tell his story of faithfulness through our life and through our own area of influence. Yeah. That you tell the story of Jesus by how you live your life. You know, we've heard it said numerous times that sometimes the only Bible people will ever read is our own life. How we act, how we walk, how we do. And you don't have to be perfect. I encourage you, please don't claim to be perfect. Be honest with your humanity. Because Jesus came and died for our humanity so that in him we would be considered righteous in him. And we're all a work in progress. And, and, when, and when people say, you know, I just don't like church. I don't like Christians. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I say, yeah, we are. That's exactly why we're Christians. Because we need it. We need salvation. There are days that I'm not the best and I need God to help me. You know, I'm, I'm going through, thank you, Lord, the Lord's coming. And so I was just expecting a trumpet. Um, thank, thank you, Mr. Herb, for not playing a joke on us today. But uh, for the last couple of years, for the first 30 days of the year, I've been a part of this thing called the shred. And the shred is we're reading the Bible, the whole Bible, in 30 days. And it's not about necessary comprehension as it is about looking at the grand tree that is the scope of the Bible and the story that God's been telling. Because so often in our own devotion times, we're reading the leaves, right? We're reading a verse, we're reading a chapter, maybe we even read one book of the Bible, but that's just a branch of the whole uh, scope of the tree of what God's doing. And yesterday was day one of the shred. Uh, think of shred. I think of like an old school rock and roller just shredding. Why? Because we're shredding the Bible. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and, and yesterday we read four, the first 44 chapters of the Bible. And, and, uh, but there was a theme that kept happening over and over and over again that I saw over and over and over again. And, and the first 44 books of the Bible is about God establishing covenant 
with his people. That, that God uh, established a covenant with Noah. That then God establishes a covenant with Abraham. And then he established the same covenant with Isaac. And then with Jacob. And now with Joseph. And, 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 and God is establishing a covenant. And, and one phrase that he, that, that, that he always said was this. And, and uh, uh, your descendants will bless the nations. That, that I will bless your descendants to bless the nations. Did you know that God is still carrying on that promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as Roman tells us, because through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been grafted into this tree that God has made, that God established with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And now God desires to bless his people so that we can be a blessing to the earth, that the church can be the blessing to the earth. He wants us to continue the story through how we live our lives. John chapter 7, I want you to see this image. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38 says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. In John chapter 7, we see Jesus extend his invitation, extend his hand for his community to come and to know him. That Jesus was in a crowd, and he said, if you're thirsty, come. And now in Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the church is to extend an invitation to echo the same invitation that Jesus gave in John chapter 7 and extend an invitation to our community and to say, come to Jesus. Come and drink from the well that will never run dry. It's the same age-old message but it is the message that Jesus can save and he is the way to lie. Jesus isn't just the example for us to go, oh man, that's pretty cool. He did some great miracles. He lived a great life. He, I mean, it's, it's really cool. Jesus isn't our example to just be impressed by. Jesus is our example to pattern and live our life after. He's not just meant to be whole, be held. He's meant to actually be followed. And Jesus gives us the example in John 7 where he says, come. And now the spirit and the bride, all of us have a message. The message of the bride is come, Lord Jesus. And come to the Lord if you're thirsty. Can we pray? Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share that a word that you <clears throat> have put on my heart. God, that as we are walking into this year, may Maranatha be on our lips. 
And Lord, I say right now in this room as we're gathered under your name, I say Maranatha. You said where two or more are gathered, you're there. So we say Maranatha and we invite you once again to your spirit to sit with us, be with us. You know, maybe you're in here today and you've walked away from God. Maybe you've allowed a pandemic to cripple you, to deter your faith, to take you away from the things of God. Or maybe you've, you're making a New Year's resolution and you said, I mean, I wanna, I wanna know about this God. I wanna, and, and, and I know where the story of Jesus is told, so I'm gonna go to church. And you find yourself far from God. I want you to know today, maybe you're watching online, I want you to know Jesus is as close as one word. Jesus is closer to you than you think. That 2,000 years ago, God took on flesh, came to the earth, was born into the very earth that he created and he went to the cross for the sins of the world. He took our, our sin. He died. He rose again so that when we put our faith in him, we can have everlasting life is what scripture tells us. And today, you want to start the new year off and you want to say, man, I, I, want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to rededicate my life to the Lord. This first service, we had, we had many that raised their hands. And if that's you today, on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. And I want you just to say, Lord, Lord, I, 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 I need you. It's a sign that we're saying, I'm not going to live my life for me this year. I'm going to live my life for the Lord. You want to give your life to him or you want to rededicate your heart to him. On the count of three, lift up your hand. One, two, three. Just slip up your hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on, let's say this prayer real loud out together. Repeat it after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. From this day forward, I give you my life. I'm not perfect, but I know you are. And I put my faith in you. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a shout of praise and a clap? Come on, all of heaven is rejoicing. All of heaven is rejoicing.